All right, we are back for the Week 13 preview with the Sporting Intelligence crew. I'm Ethan Weiss. I am here with Pat Higgins. Pat, it is great to have you back. I hope you and all of uh, the loyal listeners out there had a very happy, healthy Thanksgiving. Pat, that is now two weeks in a row for your Philadelphia Eagles taking down two of the, you know, in theory, better teams in the AFC. Hasn't played out so much like that for the Bills, despite Josh Allen's excellent performances so far this year. But that's a good overtime win on, uh, you know, a super gritty game for the Eagles. You know, you weren't here last week to discuss the, uh, you know, big win in the Super Bowl rematch um, in week uh, 11 against the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. So, Pat, the floor is yours. Philadelphia Eagles, and I'll shut up. I'm back. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, I hope all our our loyal listeners had a great uh, holiday. Had some other things that I need to take care of, so thanks to Dalton for stepping in last week. And, you know, Super Bowls aren't won in weeks 10, 11, and 12, but it, it does feel good to, you know, over the last five weeks since the Eagles lost to the Jets to have beaten the Dolphins, Commanders, Cowboys, Bills, and Chiefs. I was at the game on Sunday afternoon, and for those watching on TV, uh, it was miserable conditions, but it was an awesome game. One of the best games of the year. The, the Cowboys-Eagles game was one of, the, one of the best games of the year, and um, you know, again, objectively, I'm always objective yeah, always, on this show. Always. The Bills-Eagles game. Pat, you and I the, have different definitions. The Bills-Eagles game is one of those. <laughs> that that game had to have been amazing to watch from the comfort of your own home with you know like a little fire sitting on your couch nice and warm uh it, it was great to watch in in downpour 30 degree weather but um yeah the eagles are the eagles are 10 and 1 and you know we'll get to it later in the show many people are saying that they're you know overrated they're losing the box scores um you know their opponents are outgaining them this and that but you know good teams find ways to win games and the, the Eagles have found ways to win games against very, very good teams in both the AFC and NFC. So we'll see and we'll get to it later. We got the Eagles 49ers coming up this week. It's going to be another great game, um, but credit to credit to the Eagles for, you know, improving the 10 Yeah, You mentioned about how people are, you know, talking about how the Eagles are getting outgained. Here's what I'll say is Yes, the answer is yes. There is a double standard when we talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. There is a double standard because we praise the Eagles for getting these wins. They just went to the Super Bowl. We know the talent on this roster. They have beaten very, very good teams. They have a very tough first place schedule this year. And they're 9-1. and one. They're in the driver's seat for the one seat. On the other side, you have the Steelers. 10-1. Ten, 10-1. Ten and one, ten and ten one. And one. I mean, 10 and 1 is better than 9 and 1. 10 and 1. The um, record should just reflect. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, on the other side, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers getting outgained by terrible teams, losing to, to, you know, or not beating as good of teams as the Eagles. So before all you Steelers fans come at us for saying, oh, well, you know, you guys praise the Eagles, but not the Steelers for pulling out these wonky wins. Yeah, the Steelers get the benefit, or excuse me, the Eagles get the benefit of the doubt because they were just in the Super Bowl and we know the pedigree of this team. The Steelers, not so much. End of end of uh, Pittsburgh Steelers rant. 
I, I did thorns for Kenny Pickett. I apologize to uh, all the Steelers fans. Congrats on your one possession win over Jake Browning this weekend. Anyways. It's it under. That was, that was a good Quite under from the model last week. Um, okay, before we get into some flowers and thorns as I sort of you know, dove into there, uh, I want to remind everybody to head on over to sporting-intelligence.com to get all of the matchup analysis tools and dashboards that you will need to beat the books um, for free through the end of the 2023 season. We have the matchup analysis player stats, uh, dashboards, which, you know, detail the matchups for players and teams that week and where you can find advantages to bet player props, sides, totals, uh, you know, set your, your best fantasy or daily fantasy lineups. So make sure that you head on over to sporting-intelligence.com so you can get your hands on all of these matchup analysis tools that we use to discuss these matchups and make our picks on the show. While you're at it, give us a follow on Twitter at sport, I-N-T-E-L-L-G-N-C-E. You can find us by searching Sporting Intelligence on Twitter or X. Um, through there, you can get a bunch of good content on a weekly basis, just looking at matchups and stats, and, and also subscribe to the weekly newsletter. comes out every Friday morning. Great data visualizations and matchup analysis in there as well. So make sure that you are putting yourself in the best position to win your bets, sporting-intelligence.com. Without further ado, Pat, flowers for week 12. Yeah, no thorns this week. I'm going flowers. Like I said last, you know, two weeks ago, I'm a positive guy. like to see the good in things. And so this week, flowers are going to the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos have quietly won five games in a row and have covered four of their last five. And it's the, the Broncos are not beating bad teams here. They, in their last five, have wins over the Chiefs, Bills, Vikings, and Browns over the last four weeks. The, you know, the Chiefs and Bills are, you know, at least heading into the season, were considered the class of the AFC. The Browns have one of the best defenses in the league, and, and the Vikings, by my favorite metric, net yards per play, are top 10 in the league. And Broncos have won outright over each of those teams over the last four weeks. When they beat Kansas City, you kind of thought like, oh, Patrick Mahomes had the flu. You know, he, he, he put a dud up. Um, but it turns out, Ethan, your, your point about, you know, one data point isn't a trend, Absolutely. but it could be the start of a trend. Maybe this, is, maybe this is the start of a trend. Denver's now 6-5 and five on the bubble of the AFC postseason race after beating the Browns, forced three turnovers, ran for 170 yards on arguably the best defense in the league. They're not winning pretty. They've been outgained by opponents in three of these five wins, but like we were just talking about on the theme of finding ways to win, the Broncos are finding ways to win. Rest of the way, they got the Chargers twice, the Lions, the Patriots, and the Raiders left on the schedule. So there's a path for the Denver Broncos to make the postseason in the AFC. Not sure that they can win a playoff game. Maybe they can win one. Um, but you know, considering where they started, you know, one in five, you know, the dolphins dropped a 70 burger on them in week two. And a lot of times in that six week stretch to start the season, it looks like Sean Payton might've wanted to like fight Russell Wilson on the sidelines. Uh, things are looking up for the Broncos over the last month and a half. So flowers this week to the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Well-deserved too. This has been a completely different team from the team that we saw in those first six weeks. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what Sean Payton said to these guys. 
you know, how many offices he had to take away from Russell Wilson to get this play out of him. But I mean, it's a completely different team. The defense has been great. We're going to talk some Broncos later. They have a an intriguing matchup this week against the Houston Texans. But I mean, you you said it. Um, there's a path for them to make the postseason. Um, and they like kind of look competent, as weird as that sounds. Um, you got, you know, on this offense, Russell Wilson scrambling a little bit, looking a little bit more spry and like his old self in, in his Seattle days. You got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy playing great football. This kind of weird backfield with Javante Williams, who's running the ball hard. And then you mix in this change of pace backs and Samaji Pirine and Jaleel McLaughlin. This is a super weird, quirky, interesting team that we kind of thought were going to be historically bad after the first six weeks for this team and this defense. And they've really turned it around. It's been pretty impressive to watch. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the way they grade on our dashboards, they, they look horrible, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get to, to that you, as well. You, uh, That's largely care of the skewed football. towards, you know, those first six weeks before their, their five game win streak. Um, so Definitely uh, something to take into consideration when you when you look at those season long stats for the Broncos. This has basically been two different teams, two different seasons um, for Denver. Switching over, I'm also going Flowers. I went Thorns last week for the first time in show's history. I think we needed that. You know, we need a light of fire under under some of these the, guys. The week of Thanksgiving, of you're giving out Thorns. To, you know, have a little fire lit under them. Um, but Pat, the the Dallas Cowboys are rolling. They're eight and three. They've been playing good football. They lead the league in point differential, which is typically, you know, viewed as the most predictive stat. Um, if you could pick any one stat to predict a team moving forward in that season, that is typically the, uh, you know, best indicator of future performance has been point differential. The Dallas Cowboys lead the league in point differential, and it's all kind of come at the helm with uh, one. Dak Prescott. Um, they've increased their pass rate over the last uh, five weeks since their bye week. Dak Prescott has gone for over 300 yards in four of his last five. He's gone for also two of those performances were for 374 and 404 yards. Um, he has on the season now thrown for 23 passing touchdowns to just six interceptions, a big turnaround from where he was last year, leading the league in interceptions. On Thanksgiving afternoon, we saw them trounce the Washington Commanders in what started out looking like it was going to be a frisky divisional game, and the Cowboys just pulled away. Dak went 22 of 32 for 331 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, nearly flawless performance from Dak, um, throwing to, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different receivers. Um just really impressive play from Dak Prescott recently. And if this continues, right, the, the knock on this Dallas Cowboys team has always been, well, you know, this team will go as far as Dak Prescott allows them to go. And right now, Dak is playing at a level that this team is a serious threat to win the NFC. So flowers to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, he des he deserves it. All always um, objective. I mean, again, you know, we could go into the... <laughs> We could go into the quality opponents that they're playing when they're winning by like 33 points. But um, yeah, that can have some. What kind of flowers are you giving? Like, are you giving a big bouquet or no, just look, a couple it, roses? You know, I can't give them the big bouquet yet. You're right. They haven't won anything. 
and they're still two games behind the Eagles yeah. for the division. Yeah. But, I mean... And by the way, Mike Mike McCarthy is going to be calling yeah, the plays look, in the we'll, playoffs. We'll get to the Cowboys later also, Pat. Uh, there, there's some interesting stats since their bye week that, uh, as an Eagles fan, I'm sure you won't like to hear, and I'm sure keep you up a little bit at night. Um, but without further ado, enough I'm, Cowboys I'm, I'm talk. I know to hear. you're, uh, you know under your desk there like scratching and clawing to get me to stop talking about the cowboys so we will move on to everybody's favorite moment of the week everyone sitting at home on the edge of their seats waiting to hear who is going to win the mr big chest award we stream in live all 32 teams in their locker rooms waiting to hear this announcement uh, i just got word their video is not working so we will have to um, just, you know, you'll have to trust us that all 32 teams are waiting in, listening to see who will win the Mr. Big Chest Award for Week 12. Pat, who is it? Before before I get to it, who I, – I didn't I didn't get to the show last week. Who won Mr. Big uh, Chest last, last week's week? Mr. Big Chest was Brock Purdy after a dominant, nearly perfect performance Purdy, last okay. week. Has the Niners rolling. We'll get more to that as they play the Eagles and they did roll over the Seahawks on Thanksgiving. Uh, so Brock Purdy kind of a, you know, yep. season right, long, right. um, been doing some big chested things. That was a little quick fake by me on the Mr. Big chest where everyone thought it was about to come. And then, you know, I, I, I rerouted, but without further ado, Mr. Big chest award this week, objectively, very objective. We'll clap it up. We'll clap it's going it up. to Jalen hurts. Sure, he's going to be, you know, like everyone this year. When when they find out, they get word that they've won the Mister Big Chest Award. They're they're weak. If it's not already going well, it just it brightens immediately. Um, you know, again, we're this is an objective show. Everything is rooted in data in what we're saying here. Um, you know, but Jalen Hurts, since the Eagles lost to the Jets in that really ugly loss about a month and a half ago at MetLife, Jalen Hurts has eleven passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns. So. For those of you doing math at home, he's accounted for 17 total touchdowns and just three interceptions since that loss. Most importantly, Eagles, again, are 5-0. Won't belabor the point, but wins over the Dolphins, Commanders, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Bills. Against the Bills on Sunday afternoon, accounted for five touchdowns. Eagles were down by 10 points at various times throughout the second half. Uh, defense allowed 505 total yards and got absolutely shredded through the air. Jalen Hurts turned the ball over two times and still found a way to to pull the win out and give, you know, improve the Eagles to 10 and one. So I don't think anyone, you know, objectively listening to the show really would disagree that Jalen Hurts is deserving of the Mr. Big Chest award. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it took me this long to award it to Jalen Hurts. But I think if there's any week that he deserves it, it is this week. So congratulations to yeah, Jalen well Hurts. Deserved. Week 12, Mr. Much, Big Chest. You know, as much flack as I'll give you for, you know, not being objective about the Eagles sometimes. Hertz has been absolutely magnificent this year. People are going to point to his box scores and his passing numbers, right? Just 18 for 31 for 200 yards passing this week. Um, but that just doesn't tell the story of what Jalen Hurts provides this Eagles team. Um, he really, you know, doesn't turn the ball over at a high rate. Um, he... I mean, he runs the ball, right? He obviously the tush push is one of the most unstoppable plays, and a lot of that credit goes to the offensive line. But 
you know, we see a bunch of teams try it and somehow they just don't get it to work like the Eagles do. Hertz has been outstanding on the ground as well, ranked second in rushing yards amongst quarterbacks this year, only behind Lamar Jackson, 37 rush yards per game. That's, you know, a, a, most running back twos in the NFL don't average 37 rush yards per game. Um, the Eagles run the ball at the fifth highest rate in the league. So you see some of those diminished passing stats due to that. They've also faced an extremely difficult uh, schedule of passing defenses so far this year uh, with an average rank of 13th um, in pass yards per game, which may not seem like much, but if you average out an entire schedule, you know, between division division games where some teams are obviously not as good in, in pretty much every division, um, to average out at 13, that's, that's ranked 12th in strength of schedule amongst quarterbacks. So, um, you know, credit to Jalen Hurts. He, he's been fantastic. He has this Eagles team at 10 and 1. Um, and, you know, the box score doesn't tell the whole story. So before you come at us for that, um, you know, watch the games and you'll see how good Hurts really is. Yeah, the guy, the guy's just resilient. Uh, I think, I think probably 28 to 29 franchises in, in the NFL would, would like to have him as their quarterback. So credit to him. He's, he's calm under pressure and, uh, makes, makes big time plays in the biggest times. Absolutely. Of the and that's what the Mr. Big Chest award is all about. Um, that's what it's all about and negotiating your own contracts. Naturally. Naturally. Like Lamar Jackson. Um, all right. Without further ado, let's move on. To the week 13 preview. Unfortunately, this week we don't get three games on Thursday and a game on Friday, but we do have a what I have called a, a weirdly interesting slate this week, I think. Um, and we'll start with Thursday night football, where we will see the eight and three Dallas Cowboys welcome the Seattle Seahawks to town, who have lost three of their last four and now see themselves just a game up on the Packers, Rams, and Saints in the NFC playoff race. Dallas enters this one at third in offensive efficiency, 16th in defensive efficiency. Seattle, 27th in offensive efficiency and 29th in defensive efficiency. By far the worst um, two metrics there for a winning team. The Dallas offense continues to roll. Uh, they've seen their red zone efficiency slowly tick up over the recent weeks, which will not be a you know, welcome sight to the rest of the NFC teams. The Dallas offense ranks third in EPA per play, fourth in series conversion rate, fifth in yards per play, and they rank 16th in red zone touchdown percentage at 54.3%, which, you know, 16th middle of the pack. However, entering week nine, just a mere few weeks ago, they were at 29th in the league at just 40.7%. Over the last Four weeks, they have improved their red zone touchdown percentage on the season by 14%. That is a big, big improvement and a scary sight if you are an opponent that has to face the Dallas Cowboys coming up. Because on the other side, they've got a defense that's been equally as solid despite not having improved in the red zone as much as their offense. They rank third in EPA per play allowed, fourth in series conversion rate allowed, third in yards per play allowed. As hard as any defense to move the ball against in the league, but they are just 22nd in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. On the other side, they face a Seattle offense that's really struggled so far this year. They rank 23rd in series conversion rate, despite being fifth in early down success rate, converting at just 31.6% of their third downs. That is only good for 29th in the NFL. They also rank 25th in red zone touchdown percentage. On the other side, Seattle's defense has not helped their offense out 
They rank 24th in series conversion rate allowed and 29th in red zone touchdown percentage. However, they are 7th in red zone trips per game allowed, which has allowed them to pull out some of these close wins by just not allowing their opponents to get into primetime touchdown scoring position. Look, this one's going to be an uphill battle for the Seahawks. They head to Jerry World, where Dallas has been absolutely terrific this year. They rank as the number one home team by point differential, which we talked about a little bit earlier. At home this season, Dallas is beating their opponents by an average, Pat, an average of 29 points per game. They are plus 145 in five home games this season. That is an outrageous number. will be a tough battle for Seattle. Uh, where are you going uh, in this one? Yeah, it's going to be a good Thursday night football matchup. Um, Dallas, I think, is a blue chip NFC team, and you know Seattle, I think, has limitations with Geno Smith at quarterback. I think it, it sort of just is what it is. Um, I am going to be looking to the Dallas Cowboys team total over twenty seven and a half in this one. Um, I would, I get it before it gets to twenty eight. If you think that line is going to move up between now and uh, kickoff on Thursday night. Obviously, 28 is a key number, but if you look at Dallas, they've cleared this number in four of their last five games. They should have not every opportunity to sustain similar success that San Fran did last week against Seattle on the road, where the 49ers posted 377 yards of offense and 169 yards on the ground. Dallas is six and two in their last six and two against the spread in their last eight games, while Seattle is two and six against the spread. So we got teams going in opposite directions here. Uh, Ethan, you touched on it a little bit earlier with you know regard to how Dak's playing, but over the last six games, he's averaging 313 passing yards per game, 18 passing touchdowns, and just two interceptions in that stretch. Dallas is hot, obviously one of the best teams in the NFC. Seattle's shown deficiencies. On the offensive side of the ball, Dallas is third in the league in offensive efficiency and EPA per play, fourth in series conversion rate, first in red zone trips per game, second in turnovers per game. Seattle on the opposite side of the ball on the defense, defensive side, I should say, ranks 29th in defense efficiency, 24th in series conversion rate, 28th in third down conversion rate, 24th in passing yards per game allowed. Dallas is moving the ball very efficiently. Everyone knows the Cowboys offense. They have, you know, playmakers all over the field at the skill positions, and they're facing a Seattle defense that does not grade very well by our efficiency metrics. So when you have a top three offense at home, Going, you know, weather won't be a factor in this one. Going against one of the bottom four defenses by our efficiency metric. Not saying Seattle is one of the bottom four defenses in the league, um, all things considered. But by our metric, you know, grading very poorly. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Dallas, and I'm going team total over twenty seven. Yeah, I love and a half this play. This I'm also, you know, thinking about this play. Dallas offense rolling. I talked about the improvement in the red zone. The Seattle defense ranks. 29th in the league in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. There are plenty of points for the Dallas offense to score in this one. I may play this one alternate lines up to 35, which is at plus 285 or even over 38, which is the highest I could find at plus 440. Uh, they've reached 35 in every home game, but one this year, that's four out of five. And they've hit 40 in each of their last three home games as well. Um, you know, Seattle's defense has just not been good. Um, so I love this play. The other play I love in this one is actually D uh, Dak Prescott over 280 and a half pass yards. That line seems really high, but since their week seven bye week, the Dallas Cowboys have seen their passing attempts tick up significantly. 
The first six weeks, Dak averaged 222 pass yards per game on just 34 attempts per game. He was 0 for 6 in games over, going over 300 yards in the first six weeks. They had their bye week. They've come out since then. Dak is averaging 320 yards per game passing on almost 38 passing attempts per game. You look at this matchup against the Seattle defense. That's 24th in pass yards per game allowed. Dak's gone over his season average of 266.8 in three out of four games against bottom 10 pass defenses. That includes both of his most recent games against bottom defenses, both after the bye, as I talked about that uptick in passing. And in those games, he went for 374 and 331 passing yards, respectively. I expect a big game, another I should say big game from Dak in this one, and I'm looking at his over as well. Yep, should be should be a lot of offense from uh, from the Cowboys. Yeah, another thing to one, note, so. and I'll talk about this a little bit later I, when we I, talk about the Eagles game. But this line is right around nine or eight and a half, depending where you look. And if you can find it at eight and a half, I love bringing the Cowboys down uh, to two and a half point favorites in a teaser. Um, pair that with the Eagles. I'll talk about that more later. Um, because those lines are good teaser lines. And and uh, I think Dallas at home this is a great spot for them against a struggling Seahawks team. Yep, that's a good point. And that's enough Cowboys <laughs> talk. All right, let's move on then. Uh, two. Our next matchup that we'll talk about is the Lions head to New Orleans for what we are calling the bounce back bowl as both of these teams enter this week coming off of divisional losses to the Packers and Falcons respectively. Detroit enters this one at 7th in offensive efficiency and 26th in defensive efficiency. The Saints 21st in offensive efficiency, 15th in defensive efficiency. We'll start with the Lions offense, which just continues to dominate both phases of the game, ranking 8th in EPA per play and 5th in series conversion rate, behind also ranks of 5th in yards per attempt passing and 3rd in yards per carry rushing. Starting, or sorry, their matchup against the New Orleans defense, who started hot but has really shown a weakness to the rush lately and turned them into one of the you know, bigger uh, run funnels in the league that's also hurt them in the red zone. Uh, entering Week 7, New Orleans ranked 7th in rush yards per game allowed at 93 per game. And they ranked seventh in red zone touchdown percentage allowed at 46.2%. Entering week 13 now, New Orleans stands at 23rd in rush yards per game allowed at 125.2. And they also stand at just 19th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed, seeing that number tick all the way up to 54.8% for their opponents scoring touchdowns in the red zone. On the other side, the New Orleans offense has already been pretty mid. Now they see Michael Thomas head to the IR. Um, They rank 15th in EPA per play, 21st in series conversion rate, and 29th in red zone touchdown percentage. That is better than only the New York Giants, the Tennessee Titans, and the New York Jets, all who start backup quarterbacks based on what they were intending at the start of the season. They face a Lions defense that actually has been fairly disappointing, uh, despite being very good against the run. They rank 5th in rush yards per game allowed and 12th in EPA per play allowed. However, they are 30th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed, and they're 26th in sacks per game. They've really struggled to get home to the quarterback. Um, This is a really important game for both teams, actually, as the Saints see themselves fall outside of the NFC playoff picture. And Detroit looking to extend their division lead uh, before they have to face the Vikings twice in the last four weeks, who sit just a couple games 
behind them in striking distance of that NFC North title somehow, some way. Um, important game here, Lions Saints. Pat, where are you going in this one? Yeah, I'm going to lean to the Lions minus four. Uh, I'm I'm seeing Ethan. You got minus four and a half. I saw minus four earlier. We're recording yeah. on Tuesday night. Lean to the Lions minus four for a couple reasons. I think that the Lions are, you know, they they kind of laid an egg on uh, on you know Thanksgiving uh, against the Packers, but they dominated the box score last week. 464 yards of total offense, 324 yards passing, 140 yards rushing. Three fumbles are what you know really cost them and lost them this game against Green Bay after spotting them an early 20-6 lead. So leaning to the Lions minus four, want to really understand what the injury situation is ultimately going to look like for the Saints. They lost Mike Thomas to the IR and Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid both left the game on Sunday against the Falcons. So want to understand what that wide receiver room is going to look like um, you know, for the Saints moving forward their offense has been pretty atrocious with you know Derek Carr and you know others playing at the quarterback position and so if those guys aren't playing not necessarily going to be bullish on the New Orleans Saints in this spot the play that I like here and I I don't see a number posted typically DraftKings has their their props posted early in the week but I like David Montgomery over his rushing yards here if it's somewhere in you know the high 60s low 70s um, this New Orleans defense, as you touched on, Ethan, it has been very, very bad against the run and has been bad against the run over the last seven weeks. On the season, 23rd in rushing yards per game allowed, 28th in yards per carry, and 29th in runs of 10-plus yards. In Week 12, the Falcons ran for 228 yards on the ground against the Saints. B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, and Cordero Patterson combined for 198 yards on just 34 carries. If I do that math in my head very quickly, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of six yards per carry, which is pretty good. Uh, I think I, I'm going to expect Detroit to go, you know, back to a little bit of bully ball and, you know, try to run the ball with both Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, use some play action to set up the passing game. But I think they're going to lean heavily on Dave Montgomery in this one. And I like Dave Montgomery to exceed his, you know, his rushing yard prop. Um, you know, on, yeah, on this I uh, I love this play as well. We've already seen a game this year where Dan Campbell led an offense, and, and Ben Johnson, of course, but, uh, you know, led their offense where Montgomery had 30 carries. Um, they're not afraid to just run the ball down people's throats, and what better time to do it than this matchup against the Saints, one of the biggest pass funnels in the league. The Saints defense ranks seventh in both pass yards per game and pass yards per attempt allowed. And they rank 23rd in rush yards per game and 28th in yards per carry allowed, like you touched on. Look, pick your poison here. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, take them. Take both their overs. Take their alternate lines, whatever you fancy. in this one, however much risk you're willing on, you know, to take um, getting some plus odds here on, on the uh, rushing alternate overs. Um, Detroit, while they run the ball at just the 13th highest rate in the league, they've actually handed the ball off the eighth most times um, gross. In the NFL, uh, they run a really large volume of plays just overall relative to the rest of the league. Last week, Detroit had maybe the worst game script possible, just kind of coughing up a 14-point lead early. And yet, both of these guys still got over their rushing totals last week. This team is not afraid to run the ball. They know that it's one of their strengths, and they will stick to it no matter the situation. So now you enter this game against a great matchup with the Saints. I love both of those guys to go over their rushing totals. 
Yep. Yeah. Denver, or excuse me, I'm I'm looking ahead to the next game. Detroit on the season, sixth in the league in rushing yards per game, thirteen yards per carry. These guys run the ball. Their offensive line is huge and it's physical. And I, you know, I think if you look at the dashboards and if you're, you know, Ben Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell, you're going to look at the way that the Saints have defended the run over the last seven weeks, and you're going to really have no choice but to run yeah, the football. Absolutely. Um. So good matchup. For the lines in the run game there, and we're going to try to take advantage of that. But, Pat, you did, you know, give the spoiler alert. Uh, we're going to go to Denver and Houston here. And, Apologize. Pat, if I told you in week four that the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans, when they faced off in week 13, that that matchup would be absolutely critical to both of these teams' chances to make the playoffs, would you have believed me? Because that's exactly where we are as we sit here today on November 28th, recording this podcast. This is a critical matchup for both of these teams with regards to their playoff chances as both sit just outside the AFC playoff picture. Houston ranks sixth in offensive efficiency entering this one as three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Uh, They rank 27th in defensive efficiency. On the other side, you got Denver at 16th in offensive efficiency and 13th in defensive efficiency. This is a Denver offense that has looked somewhat competent over these last five games during their win streak. I mentioned that kind of, you know, completely two different teams. They rank 16th in EPA per play at minus 0.025 currently. That's improved from minus 0.065 entering week seven before their five-game win streak. They currently rank 14th in turnovers per game at 1.08. That's improved from 1.67 entering week seven before their five-game win streak. And they are also sixth in red zone trips per game at 3.73. That has improved all the way up from 3.17 entering week seven. Just a completely different look from Russell Wilson and this offense during their win streak. On the other side, the the Denver defense, again, we talked about this at the top. Despite their horrendous stats, which is skewed by really some historically bad play early in the season, has significantly approved. Over their five-game win streak, they have not allowed their opponents to score more than 22 points, and they've held their opponents under 20 points three separate times. In their first six games during their historically bad streak, they held their opponents under 20 points just twice out of six. They lost both of those games, and they allowed their opponents to score over 30 points three separate times, including the infamous 70-burger to the Miami Dolphins. On the other side, you got the Houston offense continuing to impress the you know beyond all belief with two-time Mr. Big Chest Award winner C.J. Stroud at the helm. They rank 11th in EPA per play, 6th in yards per play, and 9th in red zone trips per game. The Houston defense has really not held up their end of the bargain and have become another one of the league's biggest pass funnels to date. They rank 23rd in EPA per play allowed and 23rd in percentage of their opponent's drives reaching the red zone. However, while they rank 27th in pass yards per game allowed, they rank 7th in yards per second, excuse me, in yards per carry allowed, stopping the run at a very efficient rate. This is a super, super interesting game. Houston minus three and a half, over under 47 and a half in this one. Pat, where are you looking in this matchup? This is going to be a great game. And, you know, to your point, um, these two teams are are on the outside looking in of the AFC, uh, you know, conference, you know, playoff picture. Um, so it, it, it's a pivotal game for both sides. 
CJ Stroud just continues to go off in his rookie season. And, you know, on paper, it looks like he has got a great matchup against the Denver defense. But, um, you know, on paper, Denver's defense looks like one of the worst in the league, you know, because those numbers are heavy, heavily influenced by not only the Miami game, um, but, you know, the way that they performed over the first month and a half of the season. I'm going to be looking to some Houston offensive player props in this one, in both the run game and the passing game. But it's it's unclear right now where, you know, those numbers are going to come out. Uh, if you've been reading the newsletter the last couple of weeks, we've been, you know, kind of hitting, um, you know, CJ Stroud on his overs, uh, you know, the last three to four weeks as he's just been, you know, tearing up uh, opposing defenses that rank in the bottom five of the league in passing yards per game. But, you know, given how he's performed over the last four to five weeks, I'm curious to see where that number is going to be released. And so it's a long way of saying that I'm not sure where I'm going to go, you know, as of Tuesday night in this one. But over the last, you know, four games, CJ Stroud's averaging 366 passing yards. And he's going up against the Denver secondary that ranks 23rd in the league in passing yards per game, 25th in yards per attempt. So as far as criteria goes, it sets up for a spot where, you know, you're going to be want to you're going to want to be targeting CJ Stroud at home in the dome, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, etc. Just got to really understand where, where those numbers are going to shake out in the uh, in the prop market. So I apologize for the the non-committal answer, but um, that's that's the way I'm processing this game as of yeah. As of look, Tuesday I night. I'm not going to steer you away from betting on Stroud in that offense because they've been electric all season. They rank first in the league in pass yards per game, third in yards per attempt, as you mentioned. Um, that's crazy for a team to lead the league in pass yards per game with a rookie quarterback. That's really really impressive stuff. Um, and I'm going to totally zig when you. Zag. When you zig, I zag. And I'm going to the other quarterback in this matchup. Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson, over his passing yards total. Now, this is going to make you uncomfortable to bet, and those are sometimes the best bets. Uh, this line continues to come in just slightly above 200. It's usually in the 205 to 210 range. Um, this is largely because Denver runs the ball at the seventh highest rate in the league. But right now, I just mentioned the Houston defense being a big, pa uh, big pass funnel. Um, I expect the the Houston defense to be able to stop this rushing attack for the Denver Broncos fairly efficiently, and I I think that it's going to force Wilson to take on a little bit of a bigger role to pass a little bit more often, and he should be able to have success against a Houston defense that is 28th in yards per attempt allowed. Um, I think this is a, a weirdly good matchup for Russell Wilson here um, in what could be a, a, an interesting, you know, game script against the Texans team that on a week-to-week -week basis has been very formidable um, on offense especially. But I also have a fun one in this one, Pat, and that is Javante Williams to score a touchdown. Now, Javante Williams has not scored a touchdown this year. Zero rushing touchdowns on the year for one of the top fantasy picks, you know, much to the disappointment of fantasy football owners everywhere. Javante Williams has yet to run the ball into the end zone. However, Houston ranks 23rd in percent of opponents drives reaching the red zone. So there are opportunities to score touchdowns against this Houston defense. And this is the weird thing about the Texans defense. They actually flip flop and in the red zone become a big run funnel. While they're a pass funnel overall, they become a huge run funnel when it comes to the red zone. They are third 
in passing touchdowns allowed on the season. And they're just 26th in rushing touchdowns allowed. So in the red zone, they kind of have been less formidable against the run. Uh, Javante Williams, despite seeding some carries to Jaleel McLaughlin, to Samaj P. Ryan, he still dominates the red zone share with 2.8 red zone carries per game. That's 13th in the NFL. Russell Wilson is next at 1.09, a significant drop off there. And then when you get to P. Ryan at 0.82 and McLaughlin at 0.64 red zone carries per game, you just see how much Williams has dominated in that area. I think this is a good spot for him to score his first touchdown of the year. I like it. It'll be interesting to see where you know that that anytime touchdown gets priced. What do you what do you think? Like plus, I think it'll be. I plus, think it'll still be, over be minus two hundred. Um, if I had to guess, mm, okay. Um, just because typically running backs to score a touchdown on you know run heavy teams are typically minus odds. Um, if this is around even like one thirty one minus one thirty minus one forty, I will bet it. Um, and you know. Just, I guess, hope for for better odds than that due to the the lack of touchdowns so far. Fair enough, and and Mister Unlimited, what a yeah, guy! What a guy is right. What a season! He, what a season! He, he should. He should. What a season! He. Uh, they're the the Broncos are playing ugly, but you know, like we said at the at the top of the show, they're they're finding ways True. to win. So. Um, I'm I'm happy for I'm happy for the Broncos and you know Sean Payton's blood pressure has to be um, down from right, whatever you, the you elevated cut off the levels Cowboys they were at. Talk, you know, I'm going to cut off the Broncos talk because I am itching to get to this next matchup, game of the week, another game of the week featuring the Philadelphia Eagles as they continue their gauntlet schedule and welcome the San Francisco 49ers to town off of their mini buy after playing on Thursday last week and Thanksgiving and beating down the Seattle Seahawks. This is a game with huge number one seed in the NFC playoff implications. Philadelphia three-point underdogs at home, over under 46 and a half, three, two and a half, whatever you can find. Three is usually a little juice toward, you know, minus 115, minus 120. Philly enters this one second in offensive efficiency, 28th in defensive efficiency. San Francisco, fifth in offensive efficiency, fifth in defensive efficiency. We'll start with the offenses because both of these offenses have been absolutely spectacular. San Francisco ranks first in EPA per play, first in series conversion rate, second in yards per play, sixth in red zone touchdown percentage. They just pepper you with weapons all over the field. Debo, Kittle, IU, McCaffrey. I mean, and Purdy's orchestrating it all like a – a master conductor. Um, on the other side, Philly, fifth in EPA per play, sixth in series conversion rate, 10th in yards per play, fifth in red zone touchdown percentage, just about as efficient as it gets, um, you know, outside of San Francisco, honestly. Um, but this Philly offense has been just as difficult to stop as anybody so far this year. But they do face a San Francisco defense that has been dominant. Sixth in EPA per play allowed for the Niners defense. They also rank fourth in yards per play allowed. First in red zone trips allowed per game and first in turnovers forced per game on defense. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, um, they did lose. Oh, boy, I, I'm going to mess up uh, the safety's name, who they lost. I, <laughs> uh, do you know how to pronounce it, Pat? 
Well, we're not going to leave the name pronunciations to pass. Do not. Um, so we're not going to get this one. But those of you out there listening, you you know who I'm talking about. Um, but we'll go to the other side. Philadelphia's defense, um, not as dominant as you know they maybe were last year. Uh, 16th in EPA per play, 27th in series conversion rate allowed, 28th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. They're a weird pass funnel because they're third in rush yards per game allowed, but 29th in pass yards per game allowed. However, that passing yards number is actually largely due to volume of passes that this team sees as they actually rank top 10 in both yards per attempt and yards per carry allowed. This is, I mean, by far the matchup of the week, possibly the matchup of the season, um, potentially, you know, a literal battle for home field advantage and a first round by in the NFC playoffs playing out in front of us. Pat, where are you going in this one? Yeah, another great game. Great game on the uh, the week 13 slate here. I am going to the over 46 and a half in this one. This is straight out of my playbook of when you have two of the top eight most efficient offenses in the league, you're going to be looking to the over. It's a, it's a great recipe for hitting the over. Um, you know, on the Philly side of the ball on offense, Eagles rank second in the league in offensive efficiency, fifth in EPA per play, 10th in yards per play, third and third down conversion rate, eighth in rushing yards per game, fifth in red zone touchdown percentage. San Fran on the offensive side of the ball, fifth in offensive efficiency, first in EPA per play, first in series conversion rate, second in yards per play. Um, you know, they're, they're top 10 in, you know, third down conversion rate, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, sixth in red zone touchdown percentage and second in red zone trips per game. Eagles secondary continues to get torched. Josh Allen torched him last week. Dak Prescott torched him a couple weeks ago. Sam Howell has, you know, had significant success against this secondary. So I expect Purdy to have similar success as long as he doesn't bust his elbow on the first drive of the game like he did in the championship game. He just had to bring that up. And then all of San Francisco. He just had to bring that up. And then the 49ers, everyone was like, oh, Oh, if our if our starting quarterback didn't get you know sacked and you know trying to run a play action pass in the backfield on the first drive of the game, we probably would have won the game. Anyway, San Fran has significant advantages on paper against this defense. Eagles defense ranking 28th in the league in defense efficiency, 30th in third down conversion rate, 29th in passing yards per game, 28th in red zone touchdown percentage, 24th in red zone trips per game. The only thing that I would encourage our listeners to keep an eye on is the weather forecast on Sunday in Philly. It looks like there's rain in the forecast and winds, you know, sub 10 miles an hour at, you know, it, in the forecast right now. No idea how, you know, meteorologists forecast wind uh, five days in advance, but they're saying it's going to be about nine miles an hour. Um, so I would encourage everyone to keep their eye on the weather forecast and you know, try to get some clarity between now and Sunday of what the actual weather is going to look like. Um, but right now, I'm looking at the over 46 and a half as as of Tuesday night. Oh uh, yeah, and to your overplay, I have our pronunciation guide out here. That would be Talanoa Hufunga. So we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna. <laughs> I'll leave I'll I'll leave that pronunciation Talanoa to you. I'm not gonna Hufunga, try that one. We're, we're gonna not say that without. Without the pronunciation, you know, the the, uh, phonetic saying uh, of of his name here in front of me. So, um, Alanoa, if you're listening, we did not get your name wrong. We just avoided it until we got it right. Um, Anyway, 
I can't believe I'm the one taking the Eagles right now, but give me the Eagles plus the points. If I can find a full three, I'm going to take the full three. If I can't, I'm going to use that two and a half, move it out to eight and a half in that Dallas teaser. Um, Give me the points and let me sit back and enjoy what should be an awesome game. Um, The Eagles have found ways to win games that they shouldn't have won. I don't really see a way to blow this Eagles team out. They always seem to find a way to get that timely score, to get that timely stop. Um, Regardless, just by principle, the Philadelphia Eagles at 10-1 and should not be underdogs at home. If you think the Niners are that good, give me a pick them. This Eagles team should not be underdogs at home. And out of principle, I, I'm just going to take the points and sit back and watch and root for what I think should be one of the best games of the year. Yeah, I I, I hear where you're coming from. I it, it is puzzling to me that the Eagles at home. So, like, what this is saying is, you know, the standard, whatever, maybe yeah, we'll home field advantage in the NFL isn't yeah. three points anymore, but but you take you take two points away and then add two points for like San Fran would be a seven point six point exactly. favorite at home against I, the I just, Eagles. I, that, it it just it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And I, I I get that the Eagles have you know deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball and from you know a scheduling standpoint and you know a, a situational standpoint. Um, you know they're coming off a you know an all out gritty win on Sunday afternoon against the Bills, but. I just think it's an overreaction to something. We talked about it at the top of the show, the Eagles getting outgained in the box score, um, you know, that they've kind of just squeaked out wins against maybe some teams that they should really, you know, put the hammer down on um, that other teams have dominated this year. But uh, just, just fundamentally, this team should not be underdogs at home period. And so for that reason, give me the points. Um, I know how dominant this Niners team is. I'm not, you know, oblivious to that. I, I, you know, maybe I am discounting the Niners a little bit here, but I expect this to be a close game. I expect it to be a field goal game. So give me the points and I don't have to worry about which way that goes. Um, but if you can't find the, the full three, this is a great, you know, NFC East Wong teaser, you know, following those rules strictly as I like to do. You get the plus two and a half out to plus eight and a half through three and seven. You get the minus eight and a half from Dallas down to minus two and a half again through that seven and three key numbers. Um, so the NFC East teaser is on the board there. All right. Yeah, should be a great game. Looking forward At to the, it. Uh, the most well-kept secret in sports gambling is the sporting intelligence models that we have on the site um, up we will close the show with giving out our model plays live here tonight uh, because, you know, the models won five and two last week, 29, 12 and two for plus 15.8 units in 2023. That's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I feel like we should, uh, you know, spread the love. So real quick, it's going to go through our two model plays for the week to close out the show. They both come from our fraud or not model. Uh, This is a model that identifies matchups between two very good defenses, targets where that line may have skewed a little bit too low to bet the over, or if those defenses may actually just be a great spot to hit the under uh, in that, you know, more conventional thinking. We'll start with the overplay. That is the Atlanta Falcons versus the New York Jets over 34, obviously 
a very low low number here. Both teams struggle with turning the ball over. That's typically good for the over. The Jets are 27th in turnovers per game. Atlanta 24th in that same metric. Atlanta should also be able to move the ball on the ground against a Jets defense that ranks 31st in rush yards per game against a Falcons offense that runs the ball fairly efficiently, but also at the fourth highest rate in the league. Like I said, very low line here at 34 for an NFL matchup. This is going to be a grind. Uh, you're going to have to watch some really ugly Tim Boyle football. Uh, just bet the over and make sure this one isn't on your multi-view this weekend. The second pick comes on Monday night football between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals. The play is under 38.5 in this one. I expect the Bengals to really struggle to put up points uh, with Jake Browning at quarterback against this Jacksonville defense that is exceptional against the rush, ranking fourth in rush yards per game allowed and 11th in yards per carry allowed. Both of these defenses have been very solid in the red zone. Cincinnati 10th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. Jacksonville 12th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. Primetime game, primetime unders have been money this year. Under 38.5 on Monday night between the Jags and Bengals. Pat, we got a you know great week of football. Before we go, do you have any words of encouragement to uh, Mr. Big Chess Award winner Jalen Hurts and your Philadelphia Eagles as they go into uh, you know a battle that could probably lock up the one seed with a win? I just gotta gotta keep the main thing the main thing. Keep doing what they're doing. Um, you know, if you want some bulletin board board material, just let them know that the sports books think that um, you're you're a uh, after beating you know three of the best teams in the AFC, you're an underdog at home, and you know go out and just keep doing what you're doing. That's what I got to Man, say to Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, if the Eagles aren't fired up after Sirianni plays that one back in the in the locker room before Sunday, I don't know what's going to get them <laughs> fired up. Uh, another great week. <laughs> Calm, cool, and collected. Another great week of football ahead. We got some really fun matchups. It should be an awesome week. I hope everybody had a great holiday. We will see you next time.